Yo, what's up, friends? Welcome back to the local podcast. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Greensburg Video. That's my video and photography company located right here on Main Street in Greensburg. If you and your company are up for some fresh ideas and some engaging content, look no further than Greensburg Video. You can check out my work at gbgvideo.net or greensburgvideo.com. My portfolio is growing daily, so you can check that out. Shoot me a message, and we'll figure out a strategy for you. Speaking of advertising, you can do that for your business right here on The Local Podcast. If you're interested in that, hit me up at thelocal724.com. All right. Today on the show, we have Tommy Costa. He's the owner of High Ground Jiu-Jitsu. It's a really good one. I hope you guys enjoy it. Let's go. Welcome to the local 724 podcast in three, two, one. <laughs> All right, man. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the local podcast. I am officially back from vacation. Uh, it's always nice to go on a little trip, but uh, today we're back, back in action here, and uh, we have Tom Costa in the studio. You like Tom or Tommy? Uh, Tommy. All right, Tommy, it is. Tommy is a uh, Murraysville native, and uh, you own um, the uh, jiu-jitsu studio, High Ground. High Ground Jiu-Jitsu, correct. All right, man. Talk to me about that. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. I really appreciate appreciate you bringing me in. I'm excited to, you know, talk about what we do and what we've done. Yeah. You got Um, a nice beard, by the way. Thank you. Appreciate (laughs) it. I'm a beard guy. Yeah. Yeah, work hard at it, so... Um, not really, but it kind of comes <laughs> it's naturally. One of those things, man. You really do have to kind of like you know care for these things. Yeah, and uh, they'll you know, start to itch. They'll get crazy right? on you. You get stuff <laughs> flying. My beard grows in all different directions too. So, so does like mine. one side grows straight down, the other side goes straight this way. The bottom <laughs> grows forward. So it takes a little bit of work. Nice. You got to know the. It's like a. I'm like a groundskeeper at a golf course or something right. like that. You got to know the <laughs> know the nap of the earth way it goes. Um, but yeah, so, uh, high ground jujitsu, we have two studios, uh, or academies or whatever you want to call them gyms. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of use those terms interchangeably depending on the conversation I'm having, right. <laughs> whoever I'm having it with, but we have one in Monroeville in the plum area. It's pretty much like right in Murraysville. And then we've been in Delmont for 11 years and we just recently moved to what was the uh, what's known in Greensburg as what, Juicy Lucy's or yeah. the Roadhouse was right. what's most recent name. We've we just bought that building and we are in there now. It's our own dedicated space. So uh, we just uh, had a grand opening last Saturday and it was awesome and picking up new members and off and running. So, dude, that's awesome. Pretty excited. It's a pretty sweet location. I like. Yeah. I mean, the building's big. Um, you've got that big ass patio on the back. Mm-hmm. You know, you guys can do whatever it is that you do on the outside. But I mean, when did you guys get that, uh, the location in plum? Uh, it was about two years ago. Um, I have, I'm actually wearing my, uh, team, team Bruno wrestling, uh, Uh, attire today, but I'm on the board of directors for a a nonprofit. It's a wrestling camp. They give out uh, scholarships to high school wrestlers. And one of the other guys, his name's Shane Valco. Uh, is on the board of directors with me and he was opening up like youth a- athletic training center. He's mm-hmm. a, a national champ, all American uh, wrestler at UPJ. And he was putting in a mat room. He was like, Hey man, if you want to come and 
I'll start up a program and sublease the space. We'd love to have you. And next thing you know, we're there almost two years now and things are going really well. So that's awesome. Yeah. So how did you get into jujitsu? Like what, tell me about the, the beginnings yeah. of that. Well, I was like sort of in, in martial arts as a kid. My brother did Taekwondo. My parents had me stick around and do it with him so that he wouldn't quit. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was actually most of my martial arts experience as a kid. Um, my dad was a golden gloves boxer and my uncle was big into martial arts as well. So they would always just kind of you know, hold pads for us or make us hit the bag and stuff as a kid. It just kind of like was sub- part of my childhood. It was never <laughs> anything that I actually That's awesome. put a ton of energy into, but yeah, it was just something I was always around. Uh, but uh, come freshman year of college, I quit playing hockey I didn't have anything going on. I had hair down past my shoulders. I was sitting out front of the dorms at IUP and I was smoking a cigarette in the smokers section. Mm-hmm. And this kid comes down. He's like, Hey everyone, just addressing the whole group of kids sitting there. Um, IUP has a martial arts club. I'm going to the club meeting. I'm one of the officers. If anyone wants to come, you're more than welcome. If you've never done martial arts or tried before, just come out. And I was like, I had nothing going on. I had yeah. a pair of basketball shorts upstairs. So I was like, hell yeah, put that, put out my cigarette. <laughs> and, uh, at that time I was probably the least healthy I'd ever been. Mm-hmm. You know, I gained a bunch of weight from not exercising or playing sports. And I was on my own for the first time. So I'm just like drinking beer, eating in the dining hall as much as I could. Um, and I was like, screw it. We'll go up, see what it's all about. So First day, there was a couple of kids in there that had some experience with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So they were running the practice and we learned, you know, a shoulder lock submission and got to wrestle around with each other. And I was just, I was hooked. I chipped a tooth. First day. Yeah, first day. (laughs) I chipped my tooth. I can still feel it with my tongue. Every day is a reminder. Beautiful teeth that my parents, you know, got me braces when I was in grade school and uh, chipped a tooth. I had big bruises on my arm, hand shaped bruises on my arms, which anyone who starts jujitsu, everyone has the same experience. You come home one day and you get ready, get in the shower and you just are absolutely shocked at the bruises you have on your body. Eventually your body kind of gets used to it, but I was like absolutely hooked. Um, eventually my academic endeavors took me to temple university in Philly, where my dad jokes that I actually went to school for jujitsu because School. I went to school for communications. It was a film degree, and that was what I was really interested yeah. in. So it was like actually almost easy for me, just because me and my buddies had nicer gear than the school had. Yeah, we were making videos and doing stuff that was way beyond what our assignments were. So school was like, oh yeah, we got to get this like stupid little thing done. Can we use something we already did for it? Right. You know? And that was the case a lot of times. So almost all my energy went towards training Muay Thai and Brazilian Jiu Jitsu at the gym out there in the city. It was a Philly Jiu Jitsu and quick shout out to my uh, longtime teacher, Damon. He taught me pretty much everything I know uh, up until I moved away and then started having to learn on my own. But, uh, and that was pretty much it. I I was like totally hooked that first day. It was like literally the first week of freshman year college. And that was in 2005. So, yeah, dude. That's wild, man. We, um, we actually share the, the video and production, the video production thing. Uh, that's what I went to school for. Oh, cool. Where'd yeah. you go? Uh, I went to Edinburgh up okay. in Harry. Um, really cool. And that was kind of like the same deal. I remember, uh, 
we would get like our disbursement for our like loans and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I did was I went out and bought a camera and I went out and bought all my own gear because I didn't want to share my shit with all the fucking people in the program. Yeah. So I was like, fuck it. I'm going to buy my own stuff. And, um, so that's what it was. I mean, like me and my friends were up there, we were like shooting music videos and having fun doing all kinds of things, but it's just uh it's, it's, it's fun, man. In college, I think is like a really, really great time to kind of figure out who you are mm. and in, you know, for you to just be like open to fuck. Yeah, I'll go. Why not check it out? And this turned into something that like you're fucking in love with, obviously. So, I mean, it's, you know, kudos to, to being in college and just like figuring out like, you know, there's other shit in the world to do. Yeah. And I, I owe that, like that moment, that intersectional moment where I was like halfway smoke done smoking a cigarette. Mm-hmm. I could have just like stayed there and hung out with the gang for the rest of the day. But that's like, this is my livelihood now. Yeah. That was that, that was like a moment in my life where it went, it was either, you know, keep going. I, I may have, my life could be totally different oh, yeah. if I hadn't just made that like impulsive decision to just try something different. Yeah. So it's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really neat just to like look back and think about like those uh, specific times when, you know, the difference was made and, you know, back in college you had, like you were saying, you're partying, you're smoking, you're eating shitty food and stuff and doing all that. And I mean, you had a choice to make, obviously, yeah. you know, it kept me out of a lot of trouble in school too. Like, you know, I had, I would have a tournament or practice in the morning and most of the guys at the gym were older than me. They were guys that had jobs and families already. Mm-hmm. And so they were a good influence on me. Even if they weren't like maybe the best people themselves, they were more mature than me. And they were mm-hmm. like, Hey man, don't miss practice tomorrow. Hey, we got, we have a tournament next weekend. So let's, let's train. Make sure you're here on Friday night. Make sure you're here Saturday morning. Make sure you're here Sunday morning. So it was like, I can have fun, but I can't, you know, have too much fun where I right. take myself out of the game for the next day. And I, I even remember having like fights with my roommates at that time where I'm like, guys, I got a tournament tomorrow. If you can take the party somewhere else, please do. Yeah. And you know, one in the morning they show up causing a ruckus and I'm like still awake cause I'm nervous for the tournament. Right. And now I can hear them in the other room all screaming and yelling and <laughs> carrying on. And I'd come out and my, you know, my boxer shorts and I'm just like, everybody get that fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, dude, you freaked out last night. I was like, yeah. Cause I got something, I guess somebody's going to try to choke me tomorrow. Right. Yeah. But they have to wake up and nurse a hangover. Yeah. That's, you know, in your, you're going to get fucking choked by some guy. Um, that's yeah. I mean, living with roommates and stuff like in the college era, man, that was, that was wild. It was yeah. just like, you know, I was always uh, involved in those parties. I was the, I was the bad influence. <laughs> I like to think I was a good roommate, but yeah. if you ask my roommates, they were probably like, bro, you, you were the worst <laughs> man. You never cleaned your dishes. You didn't take out the trash. Dude, same shit. So, yeah. Who knows? I mean, we fucking, we fought with everybody. It was the same deal. I remember getting out of college and being like, I'm never having another fucking roommate ever as long as I live. Yeah. And you know, now it's my wife telling me to pick up my fucking dishes and take the trash out. Yeah. So, <laughs> but, um, as far as like opening up the gym and stuff like that, I mean like what, uh, what really pushed you to take it to the next level? Like you're, you're fighting and you're competing and you're learning and all of that stuff. You're going into your tournaments what is the jump to actually teaching? 
Yeah, that's actually kind of a funny story. Also, another happy accident. Um, so I graduated college with a film degree. I started working as a video editor for a marketing firm outside of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. I wasn't crazy about it. We were doing um, actually uh, Pfizer was one of our big coincidentally Pfizer wow. was one of our big clients. <laughs> um, whatever company owns Flonase. I worked, right. I worked on these Flonase commercials with this B, the B from Flonase. Yeah. I was like the editor for this whole series of short yeah, um, I internet those. ads. I remember them. And yeah, if you saw a Flonase banner on browsing the internet between the years of like 2008 to 2009, there's a good chance I worked on it. <laughs> um, but it just wasn't like, it was just soulless, like non-creative work. It was, mm-hmm. They were like, literally make these cuts, do yeah. exactly this. And let us know when you're done, you know, and it was, it was cool. Like the, the, the company I worked for was cool, but I eventually started looking for other employment. So I found a job opportunity in Pittsburgh. It wasn't anything cool, but it was just something I wanted to move back home for. Yeah. And I was working there for about a year. And during that time, an ad popped up on Craigslist that was a gym owner was looking for a uh, an instructor for like an MMA fitness class back in 2009, that circuit high interval, high intensity interval training yeah. was just getting really popular in the fitness industry. And he was looking for somebody to do that cage fitness. I remember Matt Hughes cage yeah. fit was a big thing. Yep. It was like a big brand back then. So he was trying to cash in on that. So and he was like the first, uh, he was like in the first round of the UFC, like the show, right? Yeah. Like the show on TV. Yeah. He fought Hoist and he, he actually was like, he, he choked uh, Ricardo Almeida out, which was like really big back then because Ricardo Almeida was like supposed to be the next hoist Gracie. Mm-hmm. Um, and he ended up getting front head and arm choked against standing up against the cage. And everyone was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he got choked by this farm boy. We yeah. used to call it the farm boy choke before we knew how to actually do the move. Yeah. So um, I hit up this guy, Steve. I was like, Hey, I used to, I, I fought Muay Thai done MMA. I do jujitsu. We did all this kind of training for our competitions and the fight team. Uh, I wasn't really a big fighter, but actually like just to name drop, uh, Paul Felder was on our team when we mm-hmm. were in college, he went to Drexel university. He was actually a, a theater major and we used to joke at joke because he had like hedge, like professional headshots and stuff. Yeah. And we just thought it was like super corny. And now he's on ESPN and has a, you know, hangs out with Joe Rogan every day. So jokes on who, but, uh, so seems like, yeah, come on in. We'll pay you as an instructor. I was getting just like a me kick measly, like 20, 30 bucks for each class, just teaching, you know, hit the bag for one minute, then Mm. hit this bag for one minute, slam this ball. It was just like really basic, started to grow, started to progress. People wanted to learn more than just, just, you know, like what we were showing them, like how to hit the bag effectively. So you're getting a good workout. Yeah. So we started doing jujitsu classes and I remember the first class was in December of 2009. People were laughing at us. We were, we had them on the ground, like, you know, wrapped around each other and we're showing them the basic moves. And these kids are laughing. They're guys that came in from the fitness center. Mm-hmm. And I looked at my buddy, Chad, who was one of my friends from the IUP club. And we were like, how are we going to do this, dude? These people think this is funny. Yeah. This is, we're trying to turn this into a business. Things just kept growing and growing. And uh, we went from being instructors at his fitness center, which was the, uh, 
the gym that's up at center ice arena mm-hmm. to renting the back room from him uh, for a couple hours a week. Then we bought the gym off of him. Eventually my business partner got a job with Chevron and he moved away for better opportunities. I bought him out. I ran the fitness center and the jujitsu business out of there for eight years. And then last year uh, I sold it and is now Wallace fitness center. We had a, a sublease there for a year and now we're in our own space. So nice. Yeah. Just things just kept growing slowly and it kind of just naturally happened where now I'm completely out of the fitness industry, which is kind of a relief for me because it's not really yeah. my passion, but now I can dedicate hundred percent of my time to just teaching people mixed martial arts and jujitsu. So, yeah, that's awesome, man. Like you were saying, you know, back in, in IUP and stuff, you know, you weren't the, the most healthy and all of that. When do you think that change for your body really started to take place? Was it when you first started training? Like were you still smoking cigarettes and training and all of that stuff? I don't think that change happened for me until I moved back home and started leading a group. Mm -hmm. Whenever we were in college, we just took advantage of the fact that we were young and in shape and kind of just deal with anything that came. So resilient, right? Yeah. We were like drinking, you know, five nights a week and partying all we wanted to and training hard, you know, just kind of like trying to make up for whatever we bad we did to our bodies by just like training harder, which might've been worse. We don't even know. (laughs) We'll find out. But, um, once we started leading a group, especially when we started teaching kids had a, just sort of like, I don't know, an awakening or a realization that like, Hey, we're going to, we're helping people not just like learn martial arts, but be better people. We have to try to be better people ourselves. So started taking better care of myself. I'd say around 2012. Yeah. Going on 10 years, almost nine years. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's wild. I mean, you just, uh, like, like we said, I mean, you're just so resilient back then you can kind of do whatever you want and, you know, hangovers really didn't even exist back then. It was just kind of like you got the drink. I mean, like in five days a week, I mean, like, dude, I was on that schedule for a long time and it really wasn't until I hit like my thirties when I started feeling like what the hell a hangover is. I was like, man this really, there's something else to life. Yeah. And that's really when I got serious about my, my video stuff, my business and things like that. So it, um, it's really funny. I mean, we actually have a really similar story. Uh, you living out in Philly. I used to live out in Lancaster. Oh, cool. So, uh, I moved out there for a video job and uh, I worked at a small studio. It was cool. We were doing all kinds of commercials, um, you know, big commercials too. It was fun. And, um, it was, it was awesome. I just, I wanted to move back home Mm. and, uh, you know, get with my family and stuff. And, uh, so I moved back and I got a job as the video director at American Eagle clothing company. Oh, sweet. So it was cool. It was awesome. And, um, but same deal. It was like soulless work, man. There was, there's no creativity in it. It's just jeans and t-shirts, jeans and (laughs) t-shirts. I mean, like when you get to film like the, the ladies in bras and underwear and stuff, that was like a good day. And then like you fucking back to jeans and t-shirts and then you got to capture all of it. Right. So yeah. Sit there. Yeah. And you sit there and <laughs> then it's like, you know, just it's, it's mindless shit. And it wasn't really what I signed up for, I think. And, um, so after a while I just kind of was like, you know what, I want to do this by myself. So yeah. I went off on my own and, um, dude, it's, it's been pretty awesome since 2017. Um, I've been working for myself and you know, you've been working for yourself for, for quite a while at this point. 
Um, what, what do you think about, you know, could you ever go back to, no, I'm unemployable. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm like literally unemployable. If you, if, unless you want to hire me as a, as somebody to be in charge of something. Yeah. I can't, I can't go back to, you know, working. there's no way, no way. It's, it's, yeah, I feel the same way. Um, my, uh, my ex-wife's dad actually one time, I don't know if this was a compliment or <laughs> a, a fucking, <laughs> just a hardcore slam. He was just like, you know, there's people in the world who just can't work for other people and you're fucking one of them. <laughs> and I was like, I took that as a compliment. I was like, yeah. fuck yeah, man, that's me. Um, it just is what it is. I mean, like I can't imagine going back to having, something where someone's telling you what to do or micromanaging you, you know, making your schedule for you. Mm -hmm. You you're the gym owner. Now you're the one who's making all these moves, buying this building, you know? And like I said earlier, you have this really nice patio on the back, man. You do whatever the fuck you want with it. It's nobody yeah, else's decision. Plans. Be yours. We have some plans. We're going to start doing more events. Mm -hmm. um, maybe even like get some live bands going again there. I used to go see bands there. My, my buddy's uncles had a band. Yeah. And I remember going there to see bands and uh, I can't tell you how many people stopped in while we were doing construction to find out what was going in there mm -hmm. and how disappointed they were when they found out it wasn't a grill or a bar or a <laughs> restaurant. Right. Now, granted, the people stopping in weren't exactly like our typical customers. You know, right, they were yeah. a lot of old timers that like their routine and yeah, but uh, we're going to try to get something going again. there, like little events and, uh, mm. kids parties. If you want to, if you want a martial arts party for your kid, hit me up. Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, man. So like between those, you know, you were doing, uh, what kind of work, I guess, like between 2005, 2009 area. Like, I mean, what, um, were you, what was, what was actually paying the bills at that point? I was in college. Um, so my parents were helping me out, mm -hmm. had some student loans, uh, but I was working at a flower shop actually. Uh, I got, I don't know how I got hooked up with, I think I found it on the internet down in downtown Philly. There was like this big flower shop. It was one of the biggest flower shops in the city. It was in mm -hmm. the basement of this skyscraper, like right by city hall. And they needed help in the STEM room, which was this big room. And it's, you, you, you get all the flowers off the truck and you have to uh, slice the stems so they're fresh. Mm, okay. And then, uh, you know, put them in buckets with water and plant food. And then by the end of the day, the whole room is completely filled with, with five-gallon buckets full of different flowers. Wow. And at the next day, by the next day, all the, they, call, they held, call them like artists or designers, the people who make all the bouquets. Yeah. They got paid the best there. They would churn those, they would freaking make bouquets for every single, like any place that sold flowers in the Philadelphia area. That's what they did. They cranked out these bouquets all day. Holy shit. And the next day you'd come in and the room would be empty and the what? truck would come in and it was, fl and we had these big, like, you know, like how a paper cutter is in school. Yeah. We had these ones that looked like a medieval paper cutter with this gigantic <laughs> blade. It looked like a sword <laughs> and you'd stick these big bunches of flowers in and yeah. The main thing I remember about that job, well, two things. One is for you had free flowers. You there could you like go. make, you know, if you were like trying to date a girl or Fuck yeah, flirt, that's great. Just like leave with a handful of flowers. No questions asked. They didn't, they, they thought it was cute. You know, yeah. they're like, Oh, Tommy's leaving with a handful of flowers. He's nice. Sweetheart. You know, <laughs> but the boogers, man, 
being in the, like just you know being in that little room in the yeah. basement of a skyscraper and all that pollen yeah like you would not believe the the, the boogers it's unreal <laughs> it was unreal it was unreal that was actually like the main thing is i was like imagine what's in my lungs right now right, this yeah. is what's getting caught in my nose holy so. shit dude that's nuts but, man i couldn't imagine anyone that had allergies would walk into that room and fucking kill over and another funny thing about working there, which people uh, around here might not even be able to wrap their mind around, I had to have a parking permit for my bicycle. Really? Yeah. It, Philly is Philly's a weird area. There man. was a bike. There was a bike rack outside of the skyscraper, and a lot of a lot of people that worked in that building ha- would ride their bike to school. Yeah. So, or not school um, to work. Right. And. There was a security guard that would literally like leave a note on your bike or mark your bike and be like, Hey, you need to have a permit. And so I had to go to the building manager or whatever property manager and actually get a, like prove that I worked there and acquire this little sticker for my bike. And I just thought it was like the funniest thing. Dude, they got to make their money somehow. Yeah. Unbelievable. So you've got the, you know, all this training and stuff like that. Um, have you ever been in like any kind of like law enforcement? Have you ever had to use it? I've been in, actually, I was just telling the guys the other night we did our lesson on push kicks and like mm-hmm. the front kick, kicking somebody in the stomach. Right. In Muay Thai, we call it a teep, teep kick. I've been in two fights my entire life um, outside of like the gym or some sort of athletic endeavor. And they both, where I used the push kick. Somebody was coming at me. I felt like they were threatening me and I just like kicked him in the stomach, pushed him as far away as I could and pretty much got the hell out of there. Yeah. One time I kicked somebody down a couple of stairs, which was <laughs> lucky kind of, it was at yeah. a party. Like I don't, you know, I don't really remember much of it, but he came at me. He was stupidly standing with his back to some steps and I just kicked him and pushed him and he fell down like a f- five, five stair or something. And I was able to just run the other way. Yeah. And then another time it was like kind of the same thing. Just like kicked the dude and he maybe got kicked a little too hard and was just like, that's eh, enough. Yeah. Talked <laughs> a little done. bit of shit from a little further away. And then that was it. Um, it's interesting. So it's yeah. interesting. I mean, like, you know, with you and all the training and everything like that, I mean, like, especially with the amount of shit that people talk nonstop, the internet has really, really fucking made people think that they are, uh, you know, more able to say whatever the fuck they want to people. Yeah. But, um, it's surprising that you've only actually had to deal with a few encounters. Yeah. They were both like, like drunken college party stuff figure, you know, but other than that, not really. I mean, I've had a few other chances, but I think you gotta be careful too. I think sort of whenever you start doing martial arts and training, you you like kind of realize that, it's not about like winning a fight. It's more yeah. about like picking the right one to like actually unload all of your training onto someone because right. it can't, it can be very bad, you yeah. know, like, like, uh, for lack of better terms, we we're teaching people how to kill. Like it's life and death. Sure. You know, a choke yeah. that you hold for a little bit too long could kill someone. You know, uh, if you break someone's arm or shoulder and they work with their hands, you could affect their life forever. Right. You know? Yeah. So, it's definitely some heavy stuff if you, if you're not careful. So I guess the longer you train, the kind of more you learn and a, a couple of injuries will teach you that, you know, mm-hmm. you hurt your knee in jujitsu. You got to pretend like you got hurt at work uh, or you can't go to work and you got to provide for your family. It kind of 
definitely gives some perspective and you start to really respect what you do more. And it's not like, uh, the karate kid where they like run around and kick each other's ass and stuff right, yeah. with, like no ramifications. Um, it's just not that it's just not like that, especially when you have a big team in a community, uh, like Westmoreland County, you just can't have that on your team. Right. You know? So we have to keep that culture down where yes, we're dangerous. Yes. We train all the time. And if something were to happen, you can protect yourself and your family, but you're not going out and looking for it because Right. You know, it can be bad on you, but it can also be bad on the whole team, which can have a bad effect on everyone on the team. So yeah, especially your business. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Absolutely, man. I, it's yeah, it's wild. I mean, like you hear people, uh, I remember hearing interviews back in the day, um, like Steven Seagal and stuff like that. And just sitting there saying like, you know, I can't do this. I can't fight. My hands are, you know, lethal weapons and, and that and that. But like, I mean, it's legit. I mean, dude, if you, it's, it's incredible to me, I guess that, you know, maybe your training has also taught you mentally to think about the ramifications yeah. of oh, for sure doing like that. Like you said, you know, if you break somebody's arm and they, and they just can't use that arm as effectively as they, they had, you know, you're really fucking with their whole life at that point. Yeah. That's, that's really impressive to me that, you know, your thought process would go that far, uh, before a fight, because most people I would think like, you know, if somebody comes up and pushes you and stuff like that, you're thinking about, oh man, I don't want to ruin this whole guy's life while he's probably thinking he's so like yeah. hyped up on adrenaline that the only thing he can see is what the fuck is going on in like, front of him. There's like, um, do you ever see like, a, there's videos of fights on the internet all over the place and mm-hmm. you inevitably see one where somebody is like. Puff, puff their chest out and they're like, hit me, motherfucker. Hit yeah, me. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hit me. And sometimes they get what they asked for and they're taking a dirt nap. Yeah. You know, hit me, motherfucker. Let's throw hands. Guy throws a haymaker, boom, and just drops them. Right. Like, well, you got what you asked for. Now, like, luckily, or hopefully your friends are around so they don't like run your pockets or like beat the <laughs> shit out of you worse while right, you're unconscious. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those fight videos are, they're like probably one of the best sales besides Joe Rogan and YouTube fight videos are the two greatest salesmen. Yeah. Uh, for jujitsu and what we do, like almost every person that comes in, Hey man, why'd you, uh, why'd you decide to start training? Oh, Joe Rogan said, Joe Rogan you know, yeah, Jocko willing Joe yeah. Rogan, or they're like, man, I don't want like some, some kid at the mall to come up and like hit me with a skateboard or I don't know. You right. Know, yeah. Like, Dude, like the knockout game. Yeah. Do you remember that shit? It was crazy. That yeah. was when I, that was around the time I was in college and we were like, I wish a motherfucker would like, yeah, let's go. I got fucking hit when I was in <laughs> Lancaster. I was walking. Oh, there man. was a, uh, so my, my apartment was on like a street and all of Lancaster, just almost like Philly. It's all fucking squares. Mm-hmm. It's a big grid system. So the bar was basically just right down the street from my apartment, but I had to go over a few blocks and you know, walked through some streets are really nice. And then you get a couple like crap streets and then it turns nice again. Um, you know, walking through and late night on the way home, probably saw a good opportunity. I was blasted mm-hmm. out of my mind, just walking home by myself. And, uh, there were like, I think there were like three kids coming towards me. Well, two of them crossed the street and then 
the one dude kept walking towards me and he just fucking swung for it. And I kind of already felt like something was going on. So like, I like gripped my keys with like one of my keys between my, my fingers. And, uh, when he went to swing, I kind of like dodged it, but he still caught me pretty good. And then, um, he, they took off. That was all it was. It was and just that's, like, that's hit the guy. Imp- and that still was your situational awareness, like your spidey sense went off at some point and yeah. you were like, something's not right here. What's going on? Yeah. As and soon then, as I saw the other two cross yeah. the street and that dude didn't, I was like, man, what the fuck's going on? It was, uh, yeah, it was a little weird, but like, I mean, you definitely, you know, you gotta be prepared for those types of situations. I got lucky. Um, you know, I don't really have a good fighting bone in my body. I'm not really, uh, anything to, you know, be scared of or anything, but, um, it's just like, you know, I think, uh, the situational awareness, like you said, was just like, you heard about it in the news, mm-hmm. all of that shit. And it was just like, oh man, here we go. Or like, yeah, you probably thought it would never happen to you. Right. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. It's fucking crazy, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. So you asked about what I was doing in college for work. I also yeah. worked as a, um, it was more like a caseworker or like a juvenile corrections officer. I worked for this company called Northeast treatment centers. And basically if kid, kid get in trouble at school for whatever reason, and mm-hmm. they wanted to give him a chance to like not have to go straight to a detention home or something like that, they would get put in our, our program. And what we did was we had this, I'd have to go to work and pick up this van and we'd go around to the every, whatever city schools I had kids in at the time, this was in Philly. I had like, eight or nine kids at a time. And we'd pick them up. They'd have to wait and we'd pick them up at the end of school. Most of the kids like went to two, like two or three schools in the area. And then it was literally, I could do whatever I wanted with them. They called it a program where they gave us options, but like I could take them to the batting cages. I could take them to hit pads in the park. I could take them. Like I used to take them to Ikea. Nice. And just like, like just because we had to waste some time sometimes we just go to Ikea and like we'd spend a half hour. They just literally run around. It takes a half an hour to get through the fucking place. And then at the end we would get like, I would, cause they give us a food allowance. I'd buy them lunch. Yeah. And uh, they were super cool. All the kids were actually really cool. But one of the main things that uh, they got in trouble for was fighting. And one of the two of the kids that I had were in trouble for the knockout game. Really? Yeah. These two uh, brought, they were brothers and they got in trouble for doing that to kids in their school. And uh, you know, you try you have to fill out like paperwork and reports about the kids progress. And you're really on these kids side, you know, mm-hmm. you don't want to see them yeah. get sent to like, you want to see them like maybe graduate to like uh, some sort of program that's going to train them for a job or just let them go back to school. You don't want to see them a- end up like just being super insubordinate and a pain in your ass and right. have to, you know, it's like, look, dude, I gotta, I gotta fill this report out and end up having them get sent to like Delphi village here in yeah. uh, Westmoreland County. It's a big one. They, we used to send, a lot of kids there. Um, They're one of my main clients. I do all their videos. Oh yeah. Yeah. They one were just the guys, in my studio yesterday. One of the guys that's a counselor there now was worked in the STEM room in mm-hmm. Philadelphia with me. No we, shit. We stayed friends through Facebook and social media throughout the years. And Small I saw world. him like check in to a, like Sharkies or something, you know, yeah. he was there getting food and I was like, bro, are you, are you out here? He's like, yeah, I work at Delphi village now. So we actually have like, Stayed wow. in touch and we hang out sometimes, but that's awesome. Man. Yeah. I actually had a few kids in my program, a few cases that were literally in there for, uh, the, the knockout game. So. Yeah. Dude, it's scary shit, man. I mean, like you, 
you see that on the internet and you know, the news and stuff like that. I mean, they, I didn't, I was sauced up. <laughs> so I didn't yeah. feel shit till the next day. I literally like went home and was like, yeah, whatever. I fucking threw a pizza in the oven and ate some pizza at like 3am. And uh, I woke up the next day and I just had like a little knot on the back of my head. <laughs> and I was like, fuck that hurt. <laughs> and uh, that was pretty much it. And then, um, but you know, what was scary was seeing these kids like hit old people. Yeah. And then like old people, dude, I mean like, you know, when you're a, a younger of a younger age or whatever, you know, you're more like flexible and resilient again. Um, but dude, those people would just stiffen up and fucking timber like yeah. trees. And it was I'm almost like, like the, when they hit the uh, ground, it was worse than when they got punched yeah. initially. That's dude. the scary part sometimes. Yeah. Especially if they like hit their head on the way down. Yeah. I mean, like, dude, you could kill somebody doing that. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And like, those kids probably don't train in the gym. You know? Right. We actually joke sometimes where if you, if you're like, if you get into an altercation in the street mm-hmm. and that person does like a move, like a move you learned in a jujitsu practice to you, like yeah. you should stop the fight and ask them where they train, you yeah. know? And then maybe you won't be fighting anymore. Right. Yeah. Which actually one of my buddies actually had that happen. He got into a road rage incident, pulled over, got into a fight with this guy and then immediately realized that they both trained and they actually stopped fighting and talked about it. And, you know, they still fought, but yeah. it ended like a lot better than it could have. He was like, where do you train? He had my yeah. buddy, Jimmy got this kid in an arm bar on the side of the road and was like, give up now, or I'm going to break your arm. And the kid's like, okay, okay. So he gives up, gets up and he's like, do you train somewhere? He's like, yeah, I, I do jujitsu. <laughs> he's like, dude, me too. That was a great arm bar, man. What the hell are you doing, man? <laughs> So, yeah, dude. I mean, like, that's, that's the thing that I think I respect the most about like all their stories is just like having the wherewithal to like really kind of like deescalate situations and think more, you know, ahead of what's just in front of you. Because when you have that adrenaline feeding you and stuff like that, I mean, like the only thing you can think about is uh, where should I hit this dude? And then, you know, you guys are at least calm enough to know like, all right, this shouldn't really be happening or like, you know. It's, it's impressive. It's awesome. It's very cool. So what, uh, as far as like COVID and stuff like that, what, uh, what kind of went down with the gym and all of that? How'd you make it through? Um, well, luckily we have just a lot of really dedicated people that, you know, realize the, the, the health benefits that they're getting from doing martial arts and training, um, were just worth the risk. So, uh, in March when things kind of, everybody was like really, you know, scared things really just kind of started hitting. Mm-hmm. We, we closed for about a month and a half and then like nonstop, I was getting guys asking me, Hey, can we, can you unlock the gym so we can train? Can we train? Can we train? And I was like, all right, fine. So yeah. by the end of April, we were basically back open, mm-hmm. um, training in small groups, still trying to be safe with what we knew at the time. Sure. And then, uh, you know, it was sort of like one of those things where I had, I had a kid. Well, now I have, we, I have a daughter. She's four months old. Um, nice. Congrats. Yeah. This is what I do for a living. Thank you. And I had a choice to make. It was like, I'm going to, am I going to let my business just deteriorate and let somebody else who decided to stay open, take my customers or just right. let all those people go off and never do jujitsu again. Yep. Or do I, you know, and find something else to do for a living, which we talked about, I'm borderline unemployable. So right. <laughs> I would have to like somehow find it, you know, start a new business so that I can be my own boss again. I'm not very handy. So I can't just go and start like, you know, 
building houses or right. putting doors up for people because you, you wouldn't want me doing that. Look like the, you know, the old lady that lived in a shoe. Right. That kind yeah. of house. And we just, we opened again. Um, every single per, every single new customer that we got since COVID has been rock solid. They call, they, people are looking for something that's normal. Mm-hmm. My kid's program has completely like gone like to the moon, just blown up. You're like soccer's canceled. They got to wear, they got to wear a mask at soccer or oh, the yeah. gym, the gym studios closed or the, the classes aren't the same or, uh, you know, dance isn't the same. Every, every other sport, especially the school sports were just completely jammed up, not normal, not fun. Mm-hmm. Parents weren't happy. And so, uh, we really ha- have a nice niche now with people who just want something to be normal. So yeah, hopefully with things getting back to normal, things stay up, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, time will tell, man. It's just like, you know, getting back to normal. That's a, uh, it's definitely the goal for everyone. It's, it's so hard to like understand like what different businesses had to go through. Yeah. Like I've had like Virtus on here talking about like how they did it and like how they're cleaning the gym and like yeah. the fucking mountain of toilet or uh, not toilet paper, but paper towels that they yeah. go through in a fucking day. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's nuts to hear everybody's stories. About, I pretty like, much was since jujitsu is such a close, like it's, we're on, we're breathing and sweating on each other, mm-hmm. you know, and you're switching partners doing that every five to six minutes. Uh, so I, when we opened up where I was like, look, we're either, you're either doing this the same way we used to, or you're not, yeah. you know, either don't come or come back and expect it to be just like it was. Mm-hmm. And luckily for us, we've always had the hygiene and not coming in when you're sick thing is it's always been a big part of the culture. That's perfect. You know, like yeah. even before COVID, if your kid, if you brought your kid in and they're like dripping snot and coughing and sneezing everywhere, I'll send your ass outside. I'll send your ass back to the parking lot. You know, yeah. I've actually had parents be upset with me because, you know, I send their kid back to the car and their kid like jumps in the backseat of mom's car where she's waiting in the parking lot. Oh, yeah. 10 minutes in a class. Well, what the hell are you doing back here? Oh, sensei Tommy kicked me out of class because I'm sick, you know, but it's happened before. It hasn't happened yeah. since, but um, that was before COVID it's happened. Yeah. And so, you know, we have always had that culture of like, don't come in with your, if you're sick, even if you're like, cause if you walk onto the mat and you're saying what's up to everybody and you're like clearly sniffly, like who's going to be, you know, am I, are you going to no. let me like lay on top of no. you now? You know, yeah. like, Hey bro, what's up? <laughs> you know, like exactly. Yeah. People are going to be like, dude, go away. That's good, man. Everybody's uh, more hyper aware of that now. And I think that before COVID, you always had that problem. Like, and it was the same with work too. Yeah. And that's something that I, and you probably fucking hate about like corporate world. It's just like, dude, there's that feeling where you have to go Mm -hmm. in, you have to be there. You have to stay till five. You have to do this. And like, dude, if you're sick, like now, thank God. Now, if you're sick, you can just stay home and get better. Look, I'm not coming. Well, they were, there's that joke flying around the internet about the old day quill commercial where it's like, the guy wakes up, he's like clearly sick as fuck. Uh-huh. He takes some day quill and is able to give a presentation to like a crowded boardroom, <laughs> you know, in person. Yeah. And Shit, they're I like, whoa, that. we can't do that anymore. Yeah, definitely not. So. Yeah, man. That's yeah. Wild. Day quill is just like encouraging people to just be sick and stay going and work. So. Right on. Awesome, dude. Can you tell me where uh, everyone can find the gym and yeah. you if they want to connect? 
Absolutely. We are at former, the former roadhouse, which also I'm like super proud of the, you know, if you're a martial arts fan and a fan of martial arts movies, roadhouse oh, yeah. is a great movie <laughs> if you haven't seen it. Um, but just that it's that, the the name, the roadhouse is steeped in martial arts, uh, heritage, I guess you could say, right on. Uh, even though Patrick Swayze wasn't like, he's not Bruce Lee, but yeah. Um, I just watched that the other day. It's great. Movie. It was on TV. It was great fucking movie. awesome. I try to quote that movie as, as often as I can. <laughs> um, anyway, we are at the former Juicy Lucy slash Roadhouse. It is at 2155 US 119, just four or five minutes north of Velazzi's. If you go up behind that road that runs up behind Velazzi's, keep going straight and then make a left, you'll find us uh, in Greensburg. And then we also have an academy in uh, Monroeville, right behind the Aldi's on 286 in like the Plum Marysville area, even though it's still technically Monroeville. Awesome, man. I also want to give a quick shout out to uh, a nonprofit that we work with, um, the Veteran Bushido Brotherhood. One of our guys, uh, Jarek Fry, he owns Straight Ahead Barbershop in Greensburg, right in mm-hmm. a couple blocks from here. He founded a nonprofit that we work closely with. They do a big gun bash every year. And uh, they also, pro- what they do is provide uh, training. They pay the, your cost of training and gear for any uh, veterans who want to start learning martial arts. Nice. So uh, we have a few people in the program. He's put a few people in uh, other schools around the country. So he's not just like, you know, funneling money to his gym. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he, he's doing a really good job. Uh, and it's like off and running. We, he has a great event every year. And I actually would like recommend you bringing him in. I was going to bring him with me, but yeah. he's cutting hair right now. So, um, he would be like a super interesting guest for you to yeah. have. He's a local business owner and, uh, he got the medal of valor for multiple tours, wow. uh, in the Marines. So he's a super interesting dude. And uh, I think you might like having him in, but I oh, want to yeah. plug his nonprofit cause we do a lot of work with them and, uh, I'm really proud of that work. So want to plug that one. Oh, also adopt a cop BJJ. We train police officers. We've got a few guys uh, in Greensburg from Greensburg and a bunch of other surrounding police departments. Mm -hmm. There's a nonprofit called adopt a cop. So if you're a cop and you're listening to this and you're worried about having to pay for your own training, adopt a cop will pay us for you to train. So there's no more excuses about, uh, you know, Hey, I can't, I can't take money out of my own pocket when the the state or the, the county is supposed to be training me to do my job. There's a nonprofit now that will no questions asked, pay us or reimburse you however you want to do it for your training for up to two years. So uh, we have, we have a bunch of officers that utilize it and take advantage of it. And uh, every single guy that comes in that works in law enforcement, I just tell them get with adopt a cop right away. So you can start getting paid back for your training. So yeah, it's fantastic, man. Yeah. Oh yeah. Awesome. We're trying to do, trying to do the right thing. Like somehow, when coronavirus happened, we were like thrust into this. It somehow sometimes felt like we were on the wrong side of everything, you know? Yeah. With like, with everything that's been going on with the defund the police movement Mm -hmm. and sentiment towards law enforcement. And we've always been big supporters of law enforcement and training. And we know our guys are great cops and they're here learning to be better cops, training to be better. So we support law enforcement and, you know, some one day we woke up and somehow we're on the wrong side of that issue. Yeah. And then next, you know, next thing we know, now we're training and we're not vaccinated and we're not masking and we're on the wrong side of that issue. And it's like, sometimes we feel like the bad guys, but 
deep down, we know we're doing the right thing. So yeah, just keep moving forward, man. And yeah. you know, it's, I think that's really cool. The adopt top, uh, adopt a cop program, because I mean, say there's guys out there that are working that, you know, get into an altercation and they don't have the, the knowledge of what it is, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, let's just, let's talk about it real quick. That uh, Derek Chauvin dude. Yeah. Um, I mean, he probably had no idea what the fuck he was doing. He was leaning on that guy's neck and, and fucking, he could have done something else safely, you know, yeah. say he has like the whole team of officers yeah. that were apprehending one person. They could have definitely done something else to deescalate, deescalate the yeah. situation, get him under, get him into custody and he'd probably still be alive today. So, right. yeah. Um, I feel like, you know, training is definitely an awesome thing. And the fact that you guys are, you know, hooked up with that program, dude, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. Anybody that wants to, you know, thinks they want to make a difference. Mm-hmm. You can, anyone can uh, donate to either the veteran Bushido brotherhood or there. And there is like a lot of former Marines and v- veterans that get hiring preference for law enforcement. So there's a lot of overlap with that. Yeah. Um, you can just go on and, and look up the veteran Bushido brotherhood or look up adopt a cop BJJ and you can make a donation and you can make a difference by donating some of your money to help a police officer be a better police officer. So mm-hmm. instead of just like saying you want cops to be better, right. You can actually do something about it now. So, yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah. Because I mean, like you need, you need cops, you yeah. need, you need that. So if you're going to, you know, if we're going to have them. That's, it's a good way to, and you know, another good point that donate. somebody brought up was like, not every neighborhood is going to defund their police. Right, so yeah. if one neighborhood thinks it's the best for them, that's fine. They decide to get rid of their police force. What happens when you decide one day that you need it? Are you going to, is every other community around you going to lend you theirs? Right. Yeah. You know, or, and then what happens when now those police officers are spread too thin? So yeah. it's, it, you know, is it an all or nothing thing? I don't know. <laughs> we don't know the solution. Who we, knows, man. We just know that we, I know that I have to do my best to support our guys and the guys yeah. that want to be there to be better. So yeah, man, That's all, all sticky shit, all fucking weird stuff it's to talk sticky. about. So. Thank you so much for coming on, dude. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thanks for having for the me. Fucking excellent show, man. I I really enjoyed it. Where was your vacation? I actually went to uh, North Myrtle Beach. Nice, pretty fucking nice. Classic. It's always it's always quiet. I love Myrtle, right? Well, thanks right. for having me. I appreciate Hell it. Oh yeah, thanks a lot. All right, that was an excellent show, and um, I hope you guys go out there and connect with Tommy and his crew over at High Ground Jiu Jitsu. That's uh, on your way out to Crabtree, you know where it's at. It's the old Juicy Lucy's, and um, it's a pretty cool spot. I mean, you've seen restaurants go in there and out. Um, you know, it's time to try something new. So be sure to connect with them on social media. And if you are a police officer who would like to get more information on the Adopt-A-Cop program that Tommy was talking about right here at the end of the show, um Go ahead and give them a ring and uh, he'll explain it to you. I think it's a, a really neat opportunity for sure. So um, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Glad to be back and uh, I'll see you next week.